Welcome, everybody, to Career Tools. This week, getting ready to be promoted. Politics rears its ugly head. Here we go. Folks, we encourage you to take a look at our conferences, the Effective Manager Conference and the Effective Communications Conference. And when we talk about politics, we encourage you to think about the Effective Communications Conference because it teaches you how to communicate in a language that other people use. And only 25 to 30% of the people in the world in your workplace are probably like you. And if you're going to talk to somebody who has a very different approach, a very different behavioral set than you, you probably need to use different language, different facial expressions, different gestures, and so on. You don't have to become somebody else. You just need to learn to be smarter about your interactions. And that's what we teach at the Effective Communication Conference. Come take a look at the website, manager-tools.com, and we'll tell you more. Thanks. Okay, Wendy, so we want to help people get promoted. They ask us this all the time, and of course, we say results and relationships, results and relationships, and we get tired of it, but there are things that related to it, and everybody has their own political situation, mm-hmm. and they have to consider that when they think about promotion and the fact that even though you have to please your boss, who clearly has an enormous voice in your promotion, 99% of the time, your boss is not the person who promotes you because in order to get a position equivalent to your boss, so to speak, somebody above your boss has to, has to okay that. Yeah. So, let's go. There's lots of people that are involved on, in any strategic campaign, which is what we're doing now. Your promotion is a strategic campaign. Ooh, that's so good. Good. And for yeah. any strategic campaign, you need allies. Yeah. And this is about getting allies, essentially. You know, it's interesting you say that because this is a good reminder to people that so often we're down in the weeds that you probably have to change your thinking a little bit as you listen to this cast. We're going to give you tactical recommendations, but what Wendy just said is the $60,000 beauty of this cast. This is a strategic campaign. We're going to talk to you about the ta- tactics of it, but you've got to understand the strategic forces at play in order to make your tactics work. Absolutely. Okay, good. And and as you have said a million times before, when you look up at the top of your organization, what you call politics, those executives call collaboration. Yes. And if you want to be up there with them, whether you call it politics or collaboration, you have to learn that skill. And part of getting allies is learning that skill. So you're doing two things at once. You're you're working on this campaign to get you from individual contributor to manager or from manager to director, but you're also working on a skill of building allies, which you'll need for the whole collaboration piece. The further up the organization you go, the more you get done working with other people and the less you get done doing it yourself. Yes. You you feel as the the chief executive is is fond of saying, I feel like I'm running an oatmeal, meaning I can't get things done myself. And it's it's slower, it's harder, and communication gets gets in the way and people straggle after ripe blackberries and and so on. Yeah, Wendy and I were chatting before the cast, and we joked about politics. And I said, you know, this is good to help people understand that politics are important. And we were talking about that first quote about looking up at the top of your organization. And I said, you know, everyone's wanting to validate some of the things I think. And so I asked Wendy about whether or not she said it. She says, oh, yeah, everybody, everybody complains about politics. And then I realized the difference was, um, and I've said this before many times in Cass, I complained about politics. Wendy did. Others, many others do. Almost all of us do when we're young. And then, and then you gradually learn, hopefully. Some people just learn to be quiet. Some people learn to adapt to the politics that are in the inevitable, inevitable, irresistible force, immovable object, black hole. That's what politics are. They are going to happen in the organization. But then I said the difference is, because I, I, I just felt like maybe I did politics differently when I was really young, 22, 25 in there. 
And the answer was, the difference was, I didn't just talk about them. I actually stuck my finger in some of those senior people's eyes. And Mike has stories about that, too, if you ever want to come to a conference and learn about it. It's probably a high day thing. It might be an, an arrogant thing, too. <laughs> well, yeah, Just true. saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I say humbly now, sort of. Okay. So what's our outline? Okay. So first, we're going to decide who's on your side, or you're going to decide who is on your side. And you're going to decide who you need to win over, decide who's on the fence. Now, now, when you say decide who you need to win over, you mean people not on your side? Yes, who you're going to get to be on your side. What we're doing is the first rule of politics here, which is count votes. Exactly. Okay, good. Okay, so decide who's on the fence, and then what? And then assess your situation. Okay. If you've got nobody on your side, that's a very different situation to having nine out of ten of the people that you need to be on your side, on your side. So. Yeah, good. Okay, so decide who is on your side. The first thing you say in the show notes, which licensees, of course, can have, is you print out an organization chart. I have to tell you, we should have a podcast that says print out an organization chart because I've always had one. I always ask for one. It's Sunday and at 3 o'clock this afternoon, I'm talking to a client about a, a day I'm going to spend with them this week, and one of the things they sent me was an org chart. And folks, if you don't have an org chart handy, and you're not able to make notes on it and think about things, and it could be electronic if that's your, your gig, having an org chart and knowing when people say Joe or Bob or Terry or Sam or Sarah, knowing where they are and who they report to and how your alignment with people and the relationships you have with people near them, if you don't have that, how those things interact, you're missing out on sort of rule number one of politics. So we'll do that some other time. Yeah. An org chart to me is like a map. Yes. And I could never do anything without a map of where I was. It's yeah. like, you now I go to the mall and I, I only want to go to one store, so I need to know where I am and where the store is. Exactly it the may same. be a cheap point for me to make, but there are a lot of young people today, and guys, don't get me wrong, I'm not acting like I'm superior because I'm older, because I'm not. But the world is different now. There's no truth to the idea that young people are different, but you do interact with maps differently. In fact, most of you don't think of buying maps or having maps because of your phones or your tablets. But many of you are like, yeah, I don't really think about maps. I just think about directions. And yet you rely on Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever you use, MapQuest and so on. But the fact is, if you're in a territory that's unfamiliar, you start with a map. Now, the truth is that the map is not the territory, right? My famous favorite painting of all time is a picture of a Meerschaum sort of like pipe. It's a Rene Magritte painting, and beneath it it says, this is not a pipe, meaning it's a picture of a pipe, and a picture of a pipe is not the same thing as a pipe, and a map is not the same thing as a territory. And by the way, for those of you who are wondering who Rene Magritte is, he's the one who painted the painting of the man with no face with the bowler hat and the apple and where the face is. Um, that's who that is. Uh, and that's about as wild a tangent as I'll ever go on. In a <laughs> but yeah, but look, org chart, you got to have a map, guys. You got to have it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So once you've got the map, I, I would print out the, the organization chart so that I was in the middle and I could see the line yes. below me if there were directs, if I had directs or there were people below me and two or three levels above me because those are the people you're going to be concentrating on. If there's nobody below you and you're an individual contributor, obviously you'll be on the bottom line and then you'll have like a couple of lines above you. So look through the names and decide who you think is definitely on your side. And one of the ways to think about that is who are the people that have already said to you, I really think you should get promoted or 
something subtle like, you're really good at this, I think you could do more, or next time I've got a project, I think I want you on it, because you're really good at X. The people that have kind of given you positive indications about your work and your abilities. Yeah, no, I think the key word, though, is definitely, because when we say counting votes, what we mean by that is votes. And if you're not certain, remember the next, the, in a minute, we're going to talk about deciding who's on the fence. If you're not certain, put them on the fence. Because if they are on the fence and you decide they're definitely on your side, and then you don't woo them politically and they vote against you, that was your mistake that you could have rearranged your efforts in order to attack the problem differently. Good. Okay. And it's likely that you've had more comments like that from your directs or your peers than from your boss and his or her peers. Just people with less power than you or the same power as you are likely to be more flattering than the people who have more power than you. Partly because your boss has a different perspective on what you need and what your, your abilities are, whereas your peers just think, oh, he's better than me. But being better than them is not the same as being able to be a manager. And your boss or your boss's peers might not want to encourage you in your ambitions if they know that there aren't any opportunities or they don't feel that you're ready. So they might have been keeping that back. And if you've got a great number of check marks along your bottom row, that's awesome. But the lower the check marks on your organization chart, the less power it holds. Exactly. And so you need more check marks further up. So you've got a great start, you've got a great foundation if you've got check marks all the way across the bottom. Yeah, look, if you're in an enlightened company, it's unlikely that people who report to you won't be communicated to regarding a potential promotion, even if they don't know that communication is about the promotion. That said, many, many companies are not enlightened. And the chances that your directs get to vote on your promotion is marginally zero. <laughs> and if they get it a vote of, you know, if they, it's not zero, it's actually one, the scale goes all the way up to a thousand. And so the one doesn't matter nearly as much. 15 directs saying you're awesome doesn't outweigh one VP saying never him. <laughs> right? Okay, good. Okay, I love that. Yeah. So don't just count check marks. Think about weighting those check marks. Okay. Exactly. So next thing, decide who you need to win over. Okay. So now we're going to look on the organization chart for the people that you would describe as definitely not supporting you. So you might say things like they don't like me or they go out of their way to make my life harder, those kind of things. And you can mark those people with an X. Right. But here's the important part about those people. We're not writing them off. We're not saying he doesn't like me, I'm going to ignore him and work on the people I do like because the people you do like are probably on your supporter list anyway and that's not going to help you having them like you more. You need more people liking you some. There's a saying in weightlifting, never miss leg day. because <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because people love to work on their arms, especially guys. We love to work on their arms because they look good in the gym, like lifting these really heavy weights, right? And the arm, your arms change quickly, whereas legs change much more slowly. So, like, legs is boring. But you end up with this really silly body with these huge arms and these tiny legs. So There's another piece of it, too. Um, I've read several books recently, and some of you will laugh, the younger ones of you will laugh, about fitness at my age, over 50. And they say the same thing. They use the quote, and they say, your legs are what carries you around. Mm. 
Look, at West Point, Mike and I got, tie, got taught uh, mensana and corporensana, which means, I said that wrong, I'm sorry, but basically what it says is healthy mind and a healthy body. You have to stay in shape, partially because if you're in the field, it matters. But if you're not in shape, your brain thinking about doing what you, you're actually walking or running or building or tearing down or whatever, is that means if you're not super fit, you have to think about it. Whereas if you're fit, you can do it and think about other things, bigger picture things, which as an officer, you'd have to do. And managers are like the officers of a company. Well, it basically says, even if you're fit upper body and you look good, your shirt tucks in well for guys and your legs aren't strong, you break a knee, you break a hip, you break mm-hmm. a foot. Now you're significantly compromised in terms of your day to day. That's the reason I had knee surgery um, because I knew I wasn't going to be bench pressing or you know um, squatting thousands of pounds, but I knew I want. I knew I had to get rid of the pain in my leg from walking through airports, which was taking a toll. And basically, your success in an organization results in relationships. Relationships up are part of the foundation. Results in relationships are foundational. Like for a body, from a health perspective, from a fitness perspective, those are your legs. That's your foundation. Okay. Absolutely. And you need to work on turning those people from actively against you, which is what they're, what they're saying now, to being at least neutral. So we're going we're to work on our legs enough to get them to, or the people to be neutral. And what you do when you don't like people or people don't like you is you avoid them. That's human behavior 101. Why, do, why go somewhere where I'm going to feel pain? So you're going to have to force yourself to be near them, be in meetings they're in, be on projects they're on, be on extracurricular activities that they're in, volunteer to go be the person who represents your team on X, Y, or Z where they are and being nice to them. I'll tell you something. I, I mentioned something to a guy about a year ago at a conference and he was aghast. And what it was, was he had a friend, uh, he, he wanted to move into finance and he was an individual contributor, but his organization interacted with finance. He'd started and, and there was a clear opportunity to it at some point, but he seemed to think the company knew that and all the HR people knew that and they were magically moving pieces around on the board such that he would have his opportunity. I'm like, dude, they're not doing that. They don't <laughs> think about, they're not thinking about that. And I said to him, I said, well, look. Cultivate relationships over there, and one way that you can find out is if there's ever any relationship with a with, with finance in your department, offer to be involved. I said another thing too: when you talk to your friends, say, "Hey, what are you doing? How, how's your week look?" And when one of them says, "Well, we have a networking thing tonight," or you know, we have this dinner tonight, or we we have probably not a dinner, but if we have drinks tonight, or the department has drinks or whatever, it's not unusual for executives to say to one another, hey, do you mind if I come to your thing? I don't know a lot of people in your department. Or two executive buddies, one says, hey, you're doing the thing. My wife is out of town. I'll come over. I'll have drinks for half an hour. I'll say, hey. Or, hey, I owe you a toast for sending a silver cup for my baby's birth. I need to come over. I need to buy you a drink. And even when the guy, and and look, you could say, I need to buy you a drink, when in fact, the drinks are on the house, right? Or it's an open Mm -hmm. bar, whatever. It's not that you're buying him a drink. It's that you're going to go get him a drink and bring it to him and, and say cheers. And guys, I'm not suggesting you need alcohol to do this, okay? But the point is, if somebody says, we're having a, a soiree this evening, or we're having drinks or whatever, say, hey, do you mind if I come with you? And they're like, what? Really? He said, yeah, sure. I'll come. Yeah, who volunteers to go to work things, right? After yeah. hours. Well, let me tell you, I did. <laughs> yeah. 
I did. I was in an artillery unit in my first couple of years in the Army. Mike was in the same unit. That's sort of where this all started. And we both served different infantry units. And one of the things the artillery people didn't like, we supported the infantry. Artillery folks as cannons and infantry are the people on the ground. And infantry is really where the action is. But as we as cannoneers like to say, artillery lends dignity to what otherwise would be a vulgar brawl. And as Napoleon said, the man with the best artillery wins. One of the things that bugged the people who ran the cannons, I'm going to, I'm going to talk in really non-military language, the cannon people would get bugged because we were in their unit. But when we went for drinks, Mike and I went with the infantry units we supported. And to some degree, they were more fun because they drank a little harder because they were infantrymen and that's what they do. <laughs> um, and because these were the people that I went to the field with. And so the people you go to the field with, the people you go to battle with, the people you fight for budget with are the people you drink with. Uh, and again, this is not about alcohol. It's not about scotch. It's not about really good scotch like McAllen 21. But yeah, we did it. And the cannon people would say, you guys are never at our, you know, when we go out for happy hour, you're never there. Well, we actually were there every once in a while, but two out of three, we weren't because we went and hung out with the infantry guys we supported. Doesn't mean if you're a line manager, you can't go out to drinks with the people who support you. Or even if you're a peer of theirs and there's no supporting relationship, if you have a buddy over there, go. Make some relationships over there. I am amazed at the number of people. No, I shouldn't be. I'm not amazed anymore. I'm resigned to it. And that's why we're here, is to help you see these things. So you, you just gave one way to win those people over, but we'll go into more detail later. But yeah. For now, we're just working Stealing out future cast material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Um, uh, for now, we just want to mark on the organization chart so we know where we are. So the third thing we're going to do is decide who is on the fence. So just try and think about who doesn't care one way or another, who will support you sometimes, but not others. So like if you make five suggestions, who supports you three out of two, five times or two out of five times, and you can't really predict what it's going to be, who does some things for you, but doesn't go the extra mile. They're kind of wishy-washy on you and mark those people with a question mark. Yeah. And by the way, again, if you're doubting, tend to underrate somebody. So if you're not certain they're a supporter, they're on the fence. If you're not certain they're on the fence or a little bit more negative, put them in the negative column simply so that you don't underwork the problem and end up losing out because one guy puts a little bit more time into it than you do. And I'll just say this now. We should have said this earlier. Some of you are thinking, gee, this sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, you want to get promoted? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have more work when you get promoted. You might as well start now. It's just making it sound hard. It's like 15 minutes work. Yeah. Well, it's hard in terms of, oh, I've got, because there are people, you, you know, as well as I do, Winnie, there are people who are listening right now who are saying, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah, and they kind of try and do it in their heads. Yeah. And doing it in your head is Bad. you can't do it in your head. You've got to you've got to be able to see it in order to make a good judgment. So um, those people that are on the fence, some of them are going to be genuinely ambivalent about you. Some j just don't care one way or another. They they might feel like that about everybody in the organization. They might just feel about you. Um, some will be against you and professional enough not to show you that. And in some ways, it doesn't matter. Your campaign to win them over is going to be the same. Right. Um, but it would be helpful to know why. So if you identify some people on, uh, who are on the fence, I would listen harder in your interactions, look closely, try and read between the lines in their emails, and try and work out what is actually going on there. Right. And now we, now we assess, right? 
Yeah, so the last thing we're going to do is assess the situation. So if you've got mostly check marks, you're doing great as long as they're evenly distributed vertically and horizontally on your chart. As we said before, the people below you who support you are the ones that got you into the position you're in now. So their continuing support is important, but you need support from above in order to get to the next level. Your directs don't vote for you to be a director. (laughs) (laughs) The VPs do. They might be polled, but they don't get to vote. That's probably the best way to put that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Check marks from your boss and his peers are great. And check marks for your boss's boss and his peers are really good. Yeah. So if if you're there, You've got a lot of the work done already, so awesome for you. Yeah, if Wendy works for me and I report to Mike, me being a big supporter of Wendy is important. Her having my vote is really important because I'm going to influence Mike. But if Mike has already been influenced, if, if Wendy is Mike skipped and Mike is already influenced, that means everybody at my level, not that you would give everybody at my level a check, my peers not just me, but my peers who Wendy doesn't report to, but they still report to Mike. The fact that Mike feels strongly about it, Mike then you can, in some cases, if the relationship is strong enough with a skip, assume that everybody who is my peer would end up equivalently voting for for Wendy because the boss feels so strongly because the boss's opinions tend to trickle down, but opinions don't tend to trickle up as easily. So if you've got mostly question marks, that probably means you don't know people as well as you need to. So you need to look for opportunities to find out what they're thinking of you. So you don't want to go up to them and go, hey, I'm thinking about getting promoted. Do you think I'm awesome or are you on the fence? Because <laughs> that would be weird. Um, so you need to look for things. So in meetings, do they support your ideas? Do they help you get things done? Do they answer your calls and emails promptly? That's a really, that's a, like anyone who leaves your calls for three days isn't on your supporter list. Right. <laughs> Do they avoid you at lunch or social social occasions? And not that they, you know, they're in one corner and you're in another, but do they come up to you, say hi, and then leave? Or do they stand with you for 10 minutes and chat? There's a big difference between those two as to whether they're, whether they want to be around you, which is liking you, which is politically on your side, or whether they're just being polite. Um, so all of those kind of things tell you something about your relationship and your relationship is probably 80% of the support you're going to get from them. Yes. Not your work. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, folks, if you don't know DISC, if you don't know how people behave and communicate differently, you're going to be at a disadvantage there because if you're a high eye, if you're an outgoing, energetic, friendly, cheerful kind of person, and you're thinking that this person never warmed to you doesn't chat with you, doesn't chat you up, doesn't step by your desk. Don't assume, therefore, that they're not a supporter simply because they're not like you and they're not doing what you would do. The more you know about people, and you should know your boss and his peers or her peers and your boss's boss and her peers, the more you know about them, the more you know what their behavioral patterns are. And that will help you understand that, for instance, a high C perfectionist, an I-daughter and a T-crosser and somebody who plans and plans and plans and plans will not be effusive, but there are still ways to read that. And and that's something that, of course, that our effective relationship series of CAST will, will help you with. But regardless, you need to think about that for a minute and not assume that everybody talks your language. 
because you may miss some people who are either detractors or supporters. So if your organization chart is mostly X's or crosses, either you're being particularly pessimistic or you're starting from a hole. And it doesn't matter which. And it doesn't matter that you're in a hole. You could still achieve your promotion goal or you can significantly improve your situation even if you feel like the whole organization is against you. It's about knowing where you are and then starting from there. Yep. And if you're starting from, you know, you've got some kind of disadvantage, then you, you got to, it's going to take longer. But it doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah. And look, if you don't get the promotion, don't pout, don't whine. Say, okay, I have good results. I didn't get the promotion. Maybe my relationships aren't as good. Continue the process the moment the, the promotion is given to somebody else. First of all, send the guy a note or give her a note and say, well done, congratulations. You know, try to remember us little people and I'll support you whenever I can. I'm glad somebody like you got the job. And by the way, that relates to a cast on what happens when your friend gets promoted and you don't. Usually the problem is not the person who gets promoted, but the pouty, whiny. Um, So-called friend. Yeah. Yeah. Sour grapes friend who's reporting to the, the friend who got promoted. But, but that said, start then and say, okay. You know, what's my postmortem on this? And then say, okay, as the people change, by the way, when the org chart changes, <laughs> that will change your relationship status with those people. And make it a longer process rather than saying, oh, I'm up for promotion. I better start looking at my relationships. And what will happen over the course of the next two or three years? You'll start becoming good at politics. Not because you think politics are wicked cool and awesome, but because you're doing them which is building relationships strategically and knowing tactically how to do that. Okay, so wrap us up. So decide who's on your side, decide who you need to win over, decide who's on the fence, and then assess your situation. And in the beginning of this, we said that promotion is going to be an 18-month campaign. And the first thing you need to do if you're going to have a campaign is work out the lay of the land. And you've done that. So now you can start for some looking at opportunities to use the landscape to help you move a few hills and mitigate some risks. Oh, if only. If only, move yeah. Move a few hills. Yeah, as a, a a real army, you can't move hills. As a guy, as a person in an organization, you can you move hills. You actually can. You can shave them down, mountains yeah. and hills. Good. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. That's it, everybody. Come back next week for Career Tools. It's good, even when it's politics.